Welcome to the Word Encounter, episode 222. We're in the book of Acts. Uh, We concluded with chapter 9 yesterday, so let's pick it up in chapter 10. It says, Cornelius' vision, verse 1. There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. So he was not a Jew. Uh, He was a devout man and feared God along with his whole household. He did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people, always prayed to God. So he he was a devout man, a praying. He wasn't a Jew, but he was a devout man and a praying man. And we see his conviction because his whole household was also a believer in God. Verse 3, about 3 in the afternoon, he distinctly saw in a vision, uh, again, about 3 in the afternoon, so this appears to be a regular time when most people prayed. About 3 in the afternoon, he distinctly saw in a vision an angel of God who came in and said to him, Cornelius, uh, staring at him in awe, he said, what is it, Lord? The angel told him, your prayers and your acts of charity have ascended as a memorial offering before God. In other words, his prayers were effective. They were reaching God. In verse 5, it says, Now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who was also named Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. Peter's vision in verse 9. The next day, as they were traveling and nearing the city, Peter went up to pray on the roof about noon. He became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were preparing something, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were four. Uh, in it, wait. In it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky. A voice said to him, "Get up, Peter. Eat and kill." But Peter's response was, "No, Lord, for I have never eaten anything impure and ritually unclean." So Peter has responded, the Lord is telling him what to do. And Peter has responded, no, Lord, that's, that's not righteous. <laughs> that's forbidden. I'll never do that. Now, now, this is the Lord telling him to do this. So maybe Peter thought the Lord maybe was testing him. I don't know. Or maybe Peter was answering out of his own sense of righteousness. I'm not sure. But then again, it says in verse 15, again, a second time, the voice came and said to him, what God has made clean, do not call impure. This happened three times, and suddenly the object was taken up into heaven. Now, note, note this here. See, So God is telling Peter what to do. Peter's saying, no, 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 no. Essentially, God, don't you know that's unrighteous? I'm not going to do that. And so then God said a second time, you know, what God has made clean, do not call impure. We have a lot of people in the religious community, and I'm, I'm, I'm labeling it the religious community on purpose. We know that Jesus disdained religion man-made tradition, but I'm calling this the religious community on purpose. We know that there are a lot of people in the religious community who have their sense of what is righteous, what is clean, what is unclean, whatever. And so they make these rules around those things that they believe to be impure and evil, even though they don't say those things specifically in the word of God. And they make those rules and demand those things and put them on the same level as God's uh, direct dictates or even above. In other words, they're, they're making up their own sense of righteousness and they're uh, surrounding their own sense of what's righteous, and they are putting that out for their people to follow those rules. That's wrong. It says, what God has made clean, do not call impure. 
If I said this is fine, then it's clean. You can do it. Peter visits Cornelius in verse 17. While Peter was deeply perplexed about what the vision he had seen uh, might mean, right away the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon's house, stood at the gate. While Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him, Three men are here looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them with no doubts at all, because I have sent them. And so uh, Peter's being told in a vision that, look, three guys are coming. Go with them. I've cleared it. Everything's cool. Just do it. In verse 21, when Peter went down to the men and said, here I am, the one you're looking for. What is the reason you're here? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright man and God-fearing man, who has a good reputation with the whole Jewish nation, was divinely directed by a holy angel to call you to his house and to hear a message from you. The next day, uh, Peter got up and set out with them. In verse 24, the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Notice Cornelius' response to his vision. He was expecting them to come, so he knew that the vision was from God. So he sent them in uh, to Joppa in order to get Peter to bring him back. So he knew he was going to come back. So first of all, he had faith and belief and belief in the vision that he was given. But secondly, look at his response. See, he was ex- expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. He knew that Peter was coming with a message from God. And so he did not just sit on it and just wait for the message to come. He called on his family and his close friends to come hear this message from the Lord. See, he was in fact evangelizing. He was, in fact, calling those within his sphere of influence to come and hear what the Lord has to say. There's a lesson here. Verse 25, when Peter entered entered, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter's response, but Peter lifted him up and said, stand up. I myself am also a man. In other words, Peter said, look, no, 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 no. Don't you don't you dare worship me. See, we have a lot of people that like to glean God's glory for themselves. And Peter was saying, no, 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 no. This worship, what you're doing right now, this is for God. I am a man just like you. Don't you dare worship me. Verse 27, while talking with them, he went in and found a large gathering of people. Peter said to them, you know, it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner. But God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. That's why I came without any objection when I was sent for. So, uh, so may I ask? Uh, so may I ask why you sent for me? And so we see Peter is now connecting the dots with his vision. God was telling him, "Don't you dare think, you know, that these other people that I'm sending you to are unclean." See, God made this clean, so don't you think it's unclean? So Peter's now connecting his vision for where he is, and telling them. You know, but God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. And so any kind of ethnic, racial, gender, whatever kind of divisions, people groups that we like to uh, categorize ourselves with, we like to put ourselves in this group or that group or, or whatever, God is showing Peter, no, 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 not in my kingdom. That's not acceptable. So Peter asked, why have you sent for me? Cornelius replied, uh, replied, four days ago at this hour at three in the afternoon, I was praying in my house. 
Then uh, just then a man in dazzling clothing stood before me and said, Cornelius, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your acts of charity have been remembered in God's sight. Therefore, send someone to Joppa and invite Simon here, who was named Peter. So I immediately sent for you and it was good of you to come. So now that we are all in the presence of God to hear uh, everything you have been so now we are all in the presence of God to hear everything you have been commanded by the Lord. And so I had this vision. I sent for you. I gathered all my people. Now we're here to hear what you have to say that has been commanded by the Lord. Title says, Good News for the Gentiles. In verse 34, Peter began to speak. Now truly understand. Now I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism. See, Peter is an apostle now, but now he's just getting clarity on things. See, we never stop learning. We never know it all. We never stop learning. Now, I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism. But in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Anybody, anybody who fears the Lord, regardless of where they're from, regardless of what their background is, regardless of you know, what nation they live in, regardless of what we think about them, anybody who fears the Lord and does right and, and, and is, uh, does right in his eyes is acceptable to him. It doesn't matter who they are. The Lord is striking down and pointing out all forms of isms, racism, sexism, nationalism, all forms of isms are not acceptable in his house. Verse 36, he sent the message to the Israelites proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. He's Lord of all. And then Jesus, uh, Jesus, then Peter proceeds to tell them about Jesus, how John baptized him, how he was confirmed by the Lord. He's going through and educating them on the things of Jesus. And then he drops down here. It says Gentile conversion and baptism. It says, while Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, so Peter had brought some of the brothers with him. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. See, because they thought that this was just for the Jews. And again, God is correcting their perspective. No, this is for everybody. And so they were surprised. For they had heard them speaking in tongues and declaring the greatness of God. Then Peter responded, can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay a few more days. Jesus is for everybody. Not just for the Jews, not just for the Gentiles. You know, in present day, we would say not just for the Caucasians, not just for the, the people of African descent, not just for the Asians, not just for the Indians, not just for the Americans, not just for the Parisians, not just for the Israelites, not just for the Russians, not just for the Chinese, not just for the Japanese, not just for, you know, anybody. Anyway, he's for everybody should they choose to turn to him. In chapter 11, it says Gentile salvation defended. The apostles and the brothers and sisters who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. 
when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the Jews, the Jewish leaders, in not not the not the Pharisee scribes or what, but the Jewish Christians, those you know the apostles and the disciples, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, "You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them." And so, again, they're thinking that this is just you know for uh, 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 for the Jewish people. But Peter began to explain to them step by step. So then he explained to them what had happened. He explained to them his vision. He explained to them how the men came to him. He explained to them all that had happened. <clears throat> and then he explained uh, that he saw this vision from the Lord with regard to the, the cloth and the animals. And he told the Lord, no, Lord, you know, I'm not going to do that. When, when the Lord said, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And so in verse eight, Peter says, no, Lord, I said, for nothing impure or, or ritually unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice uh, answered from heaven a second time. What God has made clean, you must not call impure. Now this happened three times. Again, this is Peter explaining to the brothers. Now this happened three times and everything was drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea, some, from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Lord told me to accompany them with no doubts at all. These six brothers also accompanied me and we went into the man's house. He reported to us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, send to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter. He will speak a message to you by which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them just as it uh, had uh, come down on us at the beginning. I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he also gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, how could I possibly hinder God? <laughs> so Peter's telling his brother, look, this is sent from the Lord. I'm just doing what I'm told. And so how can I possibly hinder God when it's clear that this is what he wants? When they heard this, they became silent and they glorified God saying, so then God has given repent repentance resulting in life, even to the Gentiles. And so Unlike the Pharisees who didn't do the things they didn't want to do for their own reasons, when the disciples and the apostles heard this from Peter, they said, well, then God has given repentance even to the Gentiles and they glorified God. They had their perspective adjusted. They had been reeducated, seeing a bigger picture. Now their response is, OK, let's glorify God. We can't hinder God. This is what he wants. Let's go on to chapter 12. It says, James martyred and Peter jailed. About the same time, yeah, about that time, King Herod violently attacked uh, some who, be who belonged to the church. And he executed James, John's brother, with the sword. And in other translations, it said he, he had him beheaded. And so James, John's brother, was uh, martyred, and so he was the first apostle to be martyred. Stephen was martyred, but he was a disciple. He was not an apostle. And so uh, James is the first, or Jacob in some other translations, as he's uh, referred to as, uh, was martyred, the first apostle. In verse 3, it says, When he saw that it pleased the Jews, and so when Herod saw that, that having James executed pleased the Jews, the Jews here is referring to the, the, the leadership, you know, the scribes, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and so on. It says, He proceeded to arrest Peter too during the festival of unleavened, of unleavened bread. 
After the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him. So 16 guys intending to bring out, uh, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So I take it that he put him in jail with 16 guards. And after the Passover, I take it he was going to bring him out, give him some kind of, you know, monkey trial and execute him as well. Verse five. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. Remember that the church is praying fervently for God when they hear that Peter has been in prison. They have no reason to believe that Peter's not going to be executed just like uh, James was. Then it says Peter rescued in verse six. When Herod heard was uh, when Herod when Herod was about to bring him out for the trial. So I take it this is after the Passover. That very night, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers while the sentries in front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. Striking Peter on the side, he woke him up and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Get dressed, the angel told him, and put, uh, your, put on your sandals. And he did. Wrap your cloak around you, he told him, and follow me. So he went out and followed, and he did not know that what the angel did was really happening, but he thought he was seeing a vision. And so Peter thought he was dreaming as he's getting out, but this was really happening, but he thought he was dreaming. In verse 10, it says, after he passed the first and second guards, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which was open to them by itself. So again, Peter thinking is dreaming, but all of this is happening. The angel has let him out of the prison cell, let, uh, let him pass the guards and go into the gate that should have been locked and closed, but was open to the city. In verse 11, when Peter came to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent the angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. Again, I think they expected to execute him. In verse 12, as soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark, where many had been assembled and were praying. He knocked at the door of the outer gate, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. He rec she recognized Peter's voice, and because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. And so Rhoda comes in, she's a servant, and she recognizes Peter's, joy, um, Peter's voice, but she was so full of joy and excitement, she didn't even let him in. She just ran back and told the other brothers that Peter's at the gate. Peter's at the door, you know? Their response to her was, you're out of your mind, they told her. But she kept insisting that it was true. And they said, uh, and they said it's his angel. So their response was that uh, what she was hearing was Peter's angel. It wasn't Peter. Now, remember, the church, they were praying fervently for Peter. They were praying fervently for, pre for Peter's, I assume, rescue, safety, whatever. So here it is that God is delivering Peter to them. God has answered their prayer. And what is their response? You're out of your mind. See, so it seems to me that they were praying with no expectation of that prayer being fulfilled. How many times do, do we do this? You know, when we pray, do we pray with an attitude of expectation? Or do we pray from a stance of hope, wishing? Are we wishing for these things to happen? Or do we pray with confidence? How do we pray? 
it's clear to me that they weren't praying with confidence. They were praying out of obedience. They knew that they should pray for Peter, but they weren't expecting the Lord to actually meet their prayers. Here, Peter is being delivered to their outer gate, meeting their prayers, and their response is, woman, you're out of your mind. They said, it's his angel. In other words, you're just, you're just seeing, you're just hearing things. This is not Peter. You're just hearing things. In verse 16, Peter, however, kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. They were amazed that their prayer had been met. If you're amazed when your prayer is met, then you weren't praying with any expectation. You were just doing it out of some rote kind of activity, some kind of uh, uh, desire and hoping that something may happen. Now, I'm not condemning you because I do the exact same thing. The exact same thing. We need to change how we pray. If our prayers are righteous, then we should have an expectation on them. I'm not talking about selfish prayers or you know, prayers for your, 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 your wealth or, or prayers that are going to do nothing but bless you. I'm talking about a righteous prayer. We should have an expectation. Verse 17, motioning them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord, this is Peter, telling them, remember, everybody's in amazement, so they're probably just with their mouths open, just looking at Peter like, are you kidding me? Motioning them to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Uh, Tell these things to James and the brothers, he said, and he left and went to another place. At daylight, there was a great commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. Remember, when a soldier is, being, is, is assigned to do something, if they don't do it, they can be executed. Verse 19, after Herod had searched and did not find him, he interrogated the guards and ordered their execution. So they, in fact, were executed because Peter had escaped. You know, I, I, I can imagine Herod is believing they fell asleep and, and they let him go. And they didn't know he had supernatural and divine help. You know, they couldn't stop him. If, if there were 100,000 soldiers there, they wouldn't have been stopped. Then Herod went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Herod's death, in verse 20. Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. Together they presented themselves before him. And so they were at odds. They may have been even fighting these territory, Herod's uh, territory. And, and I guess he was over Tyre and Sidon, I guess. I'm not sure. Uh, but they had been at odds. And so, but Tyre and Sidon came before him, I guess, to seek a treaty, seek pity, uh, seek peace or whatever. In verse 21, on an appointed day, dressed in royal robes uh, and seated on the throne, Herod delivered a speech to them. So they came, I guess the officials of Tyre and Sidon came to Herod. And so Herod comes out before them in his official, in his royal garb. And he delivered a speech to them. In verse 22, the assembled people began to shout, it's the voice of a God, not of a man. So maybe Herod was spewing forth what they thought was great wisdom and insight as he is essentially confronting these two uh, territories. And I guess they're trying to, 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 to negotiate some kind of peace. And then it says in verse 23, 
at once. An angel of the Lord struck him dead because he did not give the glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. Herod was taking on, they said, the people said, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. And so he was absorbing that. He was taking that. He was assuming that. He was probably glorifying in that, you know, reveling in that. You know, he, he, he was like, yes, I am. I am, an, I am a God. I am not a man. And an angel of the Lord, death angel probably struck him down and was eaten by the worms. But the word of God spread and multiplied. See, the fear of the Lord is something not to be messed with. God will not his, allow his glory to be appropriated by other people. Herod found that out the hard way. And with that, we are done for the day. Uh, we will pick it up in uh, episode, what's that, 223 tomorrow. Pick it up in Acts chapter 13. Remember, the message is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. Romans verse 10, or Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes in the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. And I think we have seen that in spades in these scriptures that we went over today. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The Lord is the Lord of all. It is his desire that all men, regardless of ethnicity, race, whatever, that all men and women be saved <laughs> because the same Lord is Lord of all and blesses and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on the name of the Lord? Have you invited him into your heart? Have you made uh, uh, a domain for him in your heart? Have you made space and room for him to come and occupy your heart? See, to come and take over your heart. To come and guide and direct your heart. That's what he wants to do. And that's what he's asking. And with that, we are done. Everybody stay safe, be blessed. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And should God grace us, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.